Well, you certainly know how to compliment a woman. Well, if you'll excuse me. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. Well, I'm very happy for you. is Friday Game Changers, taking your business to the next level. Coming up on Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. The coronavirus and government restrictions arising out of it um, could well fall within the definition of force majeure and end up relieving one or both of the parties to the contract from their obligations. And also... If the parties already know that something's on the horizon, then the way to handle that is not to rely on force majeure, uh, which is all about something unforeseen occurring. If, if you know something's there, then you should deal with it expressly and explicitly in, in the contract. All of this plus a book of the week recommendation from Sam Perry, recruiter at Refined Search, a fantastic elevator pitch from Elise Collett, co-founder and CEO of Freedom, and brilliant music from Annie Kiko, the creator of True Voice Global. Every Friday really should be a game-changing Friday. Hi, this is Ray Zinn. Hi, I'm Jamie Martin from Ideal Shopping Direct. I'm Kate Bell, founder of Zip Us In. Hi, my name is Eirik Aide Patterson. I'm a co-founder of Seaborg Technologies. Hi, I'm Katie Farrell, transformation coach, founder of The Catalyst for Life. Hey everybody, I'm David Frangioni, CEO and co-founder of All Access IDA, Inspire and Develop Artists, and you're listening to Kizzy's Friday Game Changer. Check it out. I'm Peter Watson, the Managing Director of Distract, and I've got kind of four main tips really for any entrepreneurs out there who are trying to kind of grow the business and get started. Um, so the number one thing with any entrepreneur right now is just to start, right? There's a lot of people I call entrepreneurs out there who talk a good game, but actually never actually do anything. So the first thing is get started, get moving, keep going forward. And the second thing is actually focus on surviving for the first 12 months. Entrepreneurs are really kind of ambitious people, right? But the key thing is just survive for the first 12 months before you try and do anything crazy. And that means don't hire too fast as well. There's a big sort of like egotistical way about how many staff everyone's got. But the reality is try and survive for the first 12 months. Try and be very busy and just kind of keep alive. Um, but the most important thing I would say that has really helped us over this time is find people who have done it before. Find experts that have helped you, that can help you um, kind of muster the courage and carry on going forward. One thing I'm doing to help with entrepreneurs right now is I'm documenting my whole process of my journey of an entrepreneur for the next 20 years on YouTube. Um, it's called Inside the Journey. And also I document every single day on Instagram at pwatto. Hi, this is Brittany. I'm the CEO of TikTok Sales System. I'm here for Kizzy's Friday Game Changers, the world's number one podcast experience. 
Welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers with your host Kizzy Nkwacha. The show for innovators and motivators, people just like you. Kizzy is the publisher of Business Game Changer magazine and the property investor, editor of the successful Women in Business book series and the best-selling Every Entrepreneur's Guide series. Every week, Kizzy and his guests provide you with the tools you need to take your game-changing business to the next level. Listen, learn, and innovate. Now meet your host, your mentor, and your fellow game changer, Kizzy Nkwacha. Hello and welcome to The Voice of the Phoenix, brought to you by Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Now, there's no avoiding the fact that the coronavirus is having a huge economic impact on businesses. It's disrupting production, supply chains, and the travel industry. Don't get me started. Businesses are turning to their contracts to consider whether the coronavirus may entitle them to suspend their performance under a contract or claim an extension of time to perform or maybe even give them a right to cancel a contract and walk away without liability. Lots of important issues to consider. This week I'm talking to Colin Smith, corporate and commercial partner at Blazer Mill Law. Now Colin's going to help shed some light on the legal impact coronavirus could have for you and your business. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Rob Basso, CEO of Associated Human Capital Management, and you're listening to Keezy's Friday Game Changers. Thanks for dropping in. This is the voice of the Phoenix, and I'm in the studio talking to Colin Smith, corporate and commercial partner at Blazer Mills Law. Colin, it's amazing to have you join me. Thank you so much. Oh, Kizzy, it's great to be here. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to talk to you today. Before we start, give us a bit of background on Blazer Mills Law. What do you do and why does it matter? Well, Blazer Mills Law is a full service law firm, so we advise businesses and private clients. We operate out of offices in High Wycombe, Amersham, London, Silverstone. Um, but to be honest, even before the, the present crisis, we did quite a lot of working remotely. <laughs> and of course, we're doing rather a lot more of that these days. Um, so location doesn't really matter to us. And in terms of uh, clients, what sort of sectors do you focus on or are you across the board? We're right across the board. Um, you'll gather from our office in Silverstone. We've got a, a little bit of a thing for motorsport and uh, um, tech, uh, tech industries that surround it. Um, but we act for uh, um, startups. Uh, SMEs, uh, medium size, right up to enormous um, multinationals and, and global companies. We, we act right across the board. Tell us a bit more about your role within the organisation, because I, I think, Colin, you've got one of the most prestigious titles we've had this week, corporate <laughs> and commercial part. What, what does that mean? Well, the, the, the corporate side of it is is buying and selling businesses, help, helping um, companies get investment in, um, all, all that side of things. So deals, we call it, for want of a better word. Um, the commercial side is really any legal advice that a business might need. Uh, but clearly within that, c- contracts loom large. Um, standard terms and conditions, contracts with your customers and suppliers, uh, perhaps contracts with your business partners, agents, distributors, uh, franchisors, franchisees, your joint venture partners. You name it, it's up our street. Excellent. So I guess we're in good hands to talk about the legal and contractual implications of this uh, worldwide pandemic. Uh, I certainly hope so. I mean, we're getting a, a lot of client inquiries and have been, obviously, since, uh, since the crisis blew up, um, both in relation to, to existing contracts, clients wanting to know, can they enforce them? Can they get out of them? What do the terms mean? Um, but also, obviously, clients talking to us about new contracts, um, you know, with, with so many things changing, um, people are perhaps looking at offering new products and services. They're trying to go into new markets, opening new channels. Um, so we're getting quite a lot of queries about that. Um, 
you know, how, how can we perhaps um, fireproof our contracts going forward? Well, whenever we talk about um, the coronavirus and business, a phrase always pops up that um, for some reason just seems to be associated now with, um, with, with COVID-19. And that phrase, of course, is force majeure. Now, let's go back to basics, Colin. What is force majeure and how does it relate to the coronavirus. Okay, well, well f- force majeure is a legal contract that basically says that if if circumstances occur that, that are not within a party's reasonable control, then maybe that party should be excused from some of their obligations under the contract. Uh, now, the most important thing to say is there's no general law of force majeure. You, you either have these provisions in your contract or you don't. Um, and if you don't, then the, con- the concept's got no application to, to, to that particular relationship. Um, but, it, but if you do, um, then um, one would want to look at the details of it, exactly what the wording was. And the coronavirus and government restrictions arising out of it um, could well fall within the definition of force majeure and end up relieving one or both of the parties of the contract from their obligations. Okay, now I've, I've got a scenario for you. Imagine mm-hmm. um, I, I'm a business, um, I've got a contract with a, a supplier and the contract is silent on force majeure. Will the concept be implied into our contract given the um, exceptional circumstances surrounding the coronavirus? Uh, I'm afraid it won't. Um, for, force majeure is entirely a creature of contract, uh, but that doesn't mean necessarily that there's there's no other recourse. Um, we, we we would always encourage a client in those circumstances to talk to us about the facts, and and we would examine for them whether the doctrine of frustration, for example, might might help, um, or or the the linked concept of um, performance being impossible because it's become illegal because of, of uh, new laws that the government might have passed in response to the, uh, to the crisis. Mm, okay, right. So imagine then um, this contract I have with my supplier does have uh, a, a section relating to force majeure. Would, would I have to show that um, if it hadn't been for the coronavirus, I could have and I would have perform the contract. Do I have to prove that? Well, it really depends exactly what your force majeure clause says. So I, a, a typical one um, would, would, as I say, describe force majeure as any circumstance not within a party's reasonable control. Um, it would typically list, uh, uh, give a non-exhaustive list of a number of circumstances the parties consider um, to, to fall into that uh, description. Um, if you're lucky, they'll include the words pandemic and epidemic. Um, but, but to be honest, e- even if they're not, it's, it's distinctly possible that the, the clause will apply and, and, and will cover the present circumstances anyway. Uh, but that's something we'd have to look at the, the particular detail for it. Um, typically, the, the clause would go on and say that it applies if the, if the event prevents, hinders or delays performance. So it doesn't have to be a complete, you know, oh, my God, I can't do anything at all. But but it does at least have to be enough to prevent, hinder or delay. Um, if it applies, um, then typically for a strictly limited period of time, some some contracts say two weeks, some four weeks, some eight, um, the, 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 the party who claims force majeure uh, basically has an extension of time to do what they would otherwise have had to do. Um, some force majeure clauses then leave it at that. 
which I have to say leaves you a little bit scratching your head and saying, okay, what happens after that? Um, Others, after that strictly uh, limited period of time, um, allow that the other party can terminate. It sounds like this uh, force majeure clause is something that could make or break a business given its present climate. I mean, prior to this coronavirus pandemic, I've got to say I had heard about force majeure, but I really didn't appreciate what it meant. How common is it for a, a business of, say, medium size to have a clause relating to force majeure in, in an, a, a contract or an agreement? If the contract's worth its salt, then, then it will certainly have a force majeure clause. They're very common. So if, 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 if you consulted a solicitor or other reputable legal advisor, um, if they didn't insist you put a force majeure clause in, they've been, <laughs> they've been pretty negligent. Uh, but similarly, if you chose to do it yourself, as long as you went to a reputable source online to get your contract precedents to use, um, you, you'd be very unlucky if there wasn't a force majeure clause in there. OK, um, just imagine then that we're about to enter into a contract with a supplier um, in relation to an event that's taking place in a couple of weeks time. Um, but we may need to rely on the force majeure clause if we have to cancel the event due to the coronavirus. Now, can we still rely on the force majeure clause given that we were aware of the effects of the coronavirus before signing the contract? No, that's a very important point, Kizzy. If, if the parties already know that something's on the horizon, then the way to handle that is not to rely on force majeure, uh, which, which is all about something unforeseen occurring. If if you know something's there, then you should deal with it expressly and explicitly in, in the contract. Um, you you can put um, bespoke provisions in that that essentially apportion risk between the parties for for, for that known uh, that known occurrence. So in effect, then this uh, force majeure is has to be unexpected and unavoidable. And but if you kind of expect it because we're going through it, you can't really rely on it then. That's exactly right. You hit the nail on the head. Wow. Okay. Um, I think we can all relate to that. It's, uh, it's certainly uh, sobering news for a lot of our listeners. Um, before we continue with our break, let's have a, a quick break and have a cup of tea and listen to some music. This week's incredibly talented entrepreneur, this week's boss star is Annie Kiko, the creator of True Voice Global. Now, Annie Kiko is a mind-body alignment mentor who works with business owners and entrepreneurs to accelerate their next level or stabilize in their current growth. But when Annie Kiko isn't helping business owners reduce stress and increase transformation, she's in the studio producing some marvelous music. Here she is singing live work. Have a listen. Me to your power. Keep me charging up for hours. I feel 
I'm Brian Stolley, founding partner of Wildcat Venture Partners. Hey, Tanja Lee here, all the way from Melbourne, Australia. I'm a leadership and mindset specialist for real estate and property professionals. Hi, I'm Jonathan from Amplify. Hi, I'm Johnny Combe, CEO of Pay by Phone UK. I'm Kenneth Hafiano, the founder of Jobwefa, an ethical fashion brand based in Ho, Volta Region, Ghana. My Friday is never the same without Kizzy's Friday Game Changes. Ever since the day you lit the fuse, I can't quench this desire. touch with Kizzy's Friday Game Changers by emailing FridayGameChangers at email.com and follow us on Twitter by searching for Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. I'm Rupert Rickson, founder of Perspective Pictures, and I've been trying to change the game for 8,760 days. That's why I listened to Kizzy's Friday Game Changer. Kizzy's Friday Game Changer's elevator pitch of the week. Please stand back from the closing doors. Please select a level. Going up. Hi there, I'm Elise Collette, the co-founder and CEO of FRDM, a sustainable online fashion startup based out of Melbourne, Australia. At Freedom, we are on a mission to make fast fashion sustainable. We are a subscription-based online store that allows members to borrow a selection of clothing from our online shop for a simple monthly fee. Our unique point of difference is that we aim to be fully circular, so all of our collections are broken down and made into new seasonal pieces. Top floor, good luck. Kizzy's Friday Game Changer, Book of the Week. Hi there, my name is Sam Perry and I work for a business called Refined Search. I recruit finance and shared service professionals across the whole of the UK. I've known Cheryl for a few years now through a work capacity and I've recently learned that she was releasing a book, Smashing Stereotypes. I've just completed the book and I had to leave a review because I absolutely loved it. Now, as a recruiter, this is an area that I'd say I typically specialise in and that I should know everything about. But one thing I will say is that I've learned so much from this book. I think the book provides a real insight about how to change your mindset in the workplace. It talks around the growth mindset, how to become more positive and overcome some of the challenges that you may face when trying to climb that corporate ladder. The thing I love about the book so much is that Cheval actually gives real-life examples 
about how she's achieved certain things in her career despite so many stereotype knockbacks. I think the book gives you the tools but it also helps you utilise the existing tools that you've got to reach your highest potential without burning out. I think that this book would suit anybody who's looking to better themselves or to climb that corporate ladder. One thing that I will take away from the book that I've never heard before is that people say that life is too short. However, when your working career can span a over 50 year period, life's too long to work a job that you don't love or something like that, but you get my drift. Cheryl, I can't thank you enough for the book and I'm really looking forward to your next one. Thank you. Welcome back. Before the break, you'll listen to Annie Kiko, the creator of True Voice Global, singing Livewire. I'm in the studio talking to Colin Smith, corporate and commercial partner at Blazer Mills Law. Now, before we continue our conversation, um, I wanted to remind you that Business Game Changer magazine is producing a 2020 showcase of the outstanding UK-based women in business, and we know there are plenty of them. The UK's Top 10 Women in Business Award recognises the outstanding contribution made by individual UK-based business women. This contribution is either to their businesses, uh, their local communities, or by inspiring and mentoring other entrepreneurs. For information about how to nominate yourself, a colleague, or a client for inclusion in the UK's Top 10 Women in Business email business editor at email.com that email address once again is business editor at email.com that's it job done get rid of this um before the break we're talking about force majeure and how it applies to businesses in light of the present pandemic now colin force majeure aside because we've talked and talked and talked about force majeure let's forget about that for a minute are there any other common law defenses to non-performance that can under the right circumstances, see, I sound like a lawyer, under the right circumstances, be employed to attempt to excuse or modify performance under a contract. What else can we use? Well, the, the two I mentioned earlier, the first one is is frustration, of course, uh, and, and that's very different from, from um, force majeure. Um, first of all, as you've alluded to, um, frustration is a, is a concept that exists uh, in any event. You, you don't need to invoke it in your contract. Um, but the effect of it is also very different from force majeure. So fr frustration is all about something changing so that it's now either impossible to perform the contract as was originally agreed, or perhaps the whole commercial adventure, to, to, to borrow a phrase, it is now impossible. Um, and, and, and if that's the case and frustration applies, then essentially the contract is discharged. Um, one or other of the parties might still be able to bring, um, you know, c claims um, um, uh, to do with the contract arising out of it. Um, but but it, it is a discharge of the whole contract, whereas, whereas force majeure is a delay. Force majeure says, look, for two weeks, four weeks, what have you, hands off. Um, uh, you know, n n nobody's obliged to do anything. Uh, and it potentially after that, the contract can just click straight back in and carry on. Um, with frustration, you can't. If the contract's been frustrated, uh, it's discharged and it's over. Right. Okay. So let me get my head around this. So, for example, if I had a business and I'd um, I'd signed an agreement to take delivery of I don't know uh, two hundred crates of beer, and then for a party that we're going to have, and then suddenly I decide I don't want to have the party anymore because um, I'm not in the mood. Can I can I cancel the, the agreement and then say, well, it's a frustration element or does that not really apply? No, frustration, uh, rather like force majeure, depend, depends on the event being um, outside the party's control. So 
if if the if the parties contributed to or or even caused the the the, the situation whereby performance is not possible, um, then, then the court isn't going to to to, to say that it's been frustrated. It sounds like for, that frustration is a much harder uh, element to prove than force majeure, because force majeure is usually something that's so obvious anybody and everybody can see that the contract would be would be un- impossible to to complete in the sort of time frame required. Whereas frustration sounds like you're going to have to really work hard to prove that it does apply in your case. Kizzy, you're right. Um, um, the, the, the courts are far, far more willing to enforce force majeure provisions and, and to to allow frustration. Uh, they, they really need very, very clear evidence. It's, um, it, it, it's a difficult uh, doctrine to enforce. Uh, having said that, in extreme uh, uh, um, situations, it's not impossible. Uh, I mean, the, perhaps the most obvious uh, example that, that might arise in relation to this outbreak, um, it's got a little bit of an overlap with, with the next thing I was going to briefly mention, is obviously if if your contract was for goods to be imported from overseas um, and the government shuts all the ports, um, you know, that, that seems to be much more likely uh, to be considered a frustrating event, you know, outside the party's control. You, you simply can't do at all what you'd originally envisaged you'd be able to. See, as you're saying that, I can imagine that a lot of our listeners in the US are sitting up here and taking notes because, uh, as we all know, uh, the president has recently just closed all of the ports and he's decided that nobody can come or leave the United States. <laughs> That's absolutely right. I mean, obviously, the US will have a slightly different concept of frustration than perhaps the UK does. But um, uh, I imagine there's something reasonably similar and uh, yeah, that's going to be looming large in a lot of lawyers' thoughts, I would think. Okay, let, let's consider the issue from the other side. How should businesses mitigate their loss if the other party breaches due to COVID? Okay, and, and that's a very good point, Kizzy, and I'm glad you mentioned that, because with all of these things, um, if there's a claim, uh, it's a claim for breach of contract, uh, and the party claiming is required to do exactly that, to, 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 to mitigate its loss. Um, so, so obviously, circumstances are going to vary widely as to what it is you are expecting the other party to do um, to, to, to deliver goods that you are going to use for something else to provide services that perhaps are an essential part of of you delivering your services to your customers, um, uh, and what you're able to do is going to vary, you know, depending on those circumstances. But certainly. Um, you would be required to be looking for alternative sources of supply. Um, you're not simply going to be able to say, look, I contracted with these people that they, they couldn't give me what I want uh, help. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm now required to be reimbursed for the full loss that I've suffered. You, you've, you've at least in the first instance got to look to see, well, OK, what, what, what might I be able to get from somewhere else? Um, and then if that's all done, potentially your claims that, you know, the difference in price that uh, you, you've ended up having to pay uh, as, as opposed to what would have happened previously under the contract. OK, yeah, I kind of figure that's what you'd say. Um, I know that for a lot of our listeners, um, they're on both sides of the fence. They, they them, themselves find it difficult to fulfil a contract. And they, of course, are working with partners who find it difficult to to do what they say they're going to do so i guess everybody's in the same boat really and uh, it's not going to get any easier anytime soon or is it really it it certainly doesn't look like it i mean the messages are very mixed aren't they at the moment we're all a little bit gazing into into crystal balls 
Um, I, I mean, obviously, you know, if the boot's on the other foot and, you know, you're, you're the party looking to see, can, can, can you terminate the contract? Um, that, that, you know, you've, you've got quite a lot of the same principles that, that we've talked about already with force majeure. So, um, you know, very often contracts include provisions that allow, you know, the parties to, 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 to in the extreme case, to, to just terminate on notice with, with no particular reason. Um, but more commonly, uh, to terminate because there's been a material breach uh, or, or a series of breaches that are, add up to a material breach. Um, perhaps if the other party um, is, is in some kind of insolvency procedure. Um, and, and just as with force majeure, th- th- those sorts of provisions need to be in your contract. If, if they're not there, you can't terminate for those reasons. Uh, now, doesn't necessarily mean you've got no chance of terminating. Um, there's always the, the, the common law um, doctrine of, of repudiatory breach. So, you know, if the other party's committed a breach and it's, it's so serious that essentially you're allowed to treat the contract as having come to an end, uh, you can. You can accept the breach and you can terminate immediately on notice. Um, less likely, but not impossible, um, depending on the type of contract you have, um, you might find a court was willing to imply into it the ability to, to terminate on reasonable notice. Um, in present circumstances, that not, might not be a massive amount of help. I mean, uh, reasonable notice is quite often, you know, a, a number of months ra- rather than, you know, a, ver- a very swift termination. Um, you know, you might find that the um, you try to do that and the, uh, the termination doesn't take effect until after the crisis has passed. And, uh, and obviously, um, in, in, in the meantime, you've been uh, you've been held fully liable. That's why I was thinking that um, although the actual breach of contract may happen now, the effects might not be felt for m- weeks, months or even years to come. Yes. I mean, that's not a problem in terms of claiming damages. You know, if there's been a breach of contract, you know, if there's no force majeure clause or, or, or frustration or anything else getting in the way, then, you know, you, you'll, you'll have six years from the breach to, 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 to bring the claim. Um, and, you know, it, 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 it doesn't matter if the losses aren't immediately um, uh, 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 quantifiable. You know, well, that's going to come out in the wash in the claim that you bring. Um, but in terms of terminating the contract uh, because of the because of the breach, you know, clearly for that to be effective and to help your business, you want to do it as quickly as possible. Now, might be possible. It might not. I'm just wondering um, what sort of inquiries are you getting now at Blazer Mills Law? Um, presumably your phone must be ringing off the hook from businesses wanting to es- establish what their legal position is in relation to their contractual obligations. Well, do you know, I mean, we, we, we are getting quite a lot of those queries, but um, we're, we're in the happy position where quite a lot of our clients have, have entrusted us with drafting their contracts, their T's and C's. So very often they're ringing in, you know, very comfortable and secure in the knowledge that, that they've got the clauses that they need. Uh, and very often we're putting them straight on to our, um, uh, our commercial recoveries team or our dispute resolution team to, to, to help them put the pressure on. Uh, uh, and obviously, ideally, uh, uh, get what they want without without recourse to legal proceedings, but but if the worst comes to the worst, to um, uh, you know, get the courts involved. Um, I have thousands and thousands of questions here still to ask you, Colin. But I've, I've had a note just saying that we are now going seriously over our scheduled time. Um, I'm wondering, can we perhaps book uh, maybe in a couple of months' time to have the second part to this conversation, so we can perhaps look at uh, the legal implications and contractual obligations um, created by the coronavirus in a few months' time? What do, what do you think? 
No, that sounds that sounds great, Kizzy. I, I, I mean, certainly as we're, we're increased, we're, we're already starting to get a lot of inquiries about people looking at this going forward and saying, "Crikey, uh, you know, thanks for telling me that, Colin." I, I, I realise now our contracts really aren't quite what they should be. You know, when 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 we're out of the you know out of the woodwork here, we'd really like to sit down with you and have a look about well, what what should we have here. And, and make sure going forward that all of that is in place. And uh, no, I'd be delighted to come back and uh, perhaps talk a little bit more about that. It's a date. Uh, in the meantime, Colin, thank you so much for sharing your advice and wisdom on Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Thank you very much, Kizzy. It's been a pleasure. Well, I guess one important lesson I've learned from my conversation with Colin is that this is a really, really complex area and it brings together not just commercial, but also legal considerations. So if you're in any doubt, you should seek legal advice. Get hold of Colin and let him know that Kids has sent you. As well as um, exploring the application of force majeure and frustration, legal advisors like Colin can help you mitigate losses under contract, which could help keep you in business so that not only do you adapt, but you may even thrive in this present climate. Playing us out is Annie Kiko, the creator of True Voice Global, and this track's called Light Years. See you next week. Stapleton. I'm the co-founder of New Covent Garden Soup Company and laterally then Little Dish. Uh, my Friday wouldn't be complete without Kizzy's Friday Game Changer. It took us This is Tanner Chister, CEO of Elite CEOs, and today you're listening to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers, the world's number one podcast experience. Can't escape the velocity of U.S. Possibly the gravity that pulled us apart. Like a bright supernova when we kiss, it's all over. No more pain missing you in my heart.
Game Changer Show. 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 Game Chang